3: it gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9.
2: Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast.
3: Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to This League Uncut! In the world of 24-hour NBA news, this news you lose! Chris Haynes, it's go time! Mark Stein, it's show time! Boom shakalaka! This League Uncut
4: is underway and on fire! This should be a good one. Hey everybody, it will be a good one. Thanks for joining us again. Mark Stein here with Chris Haynes. Another edition of This League Uncut. We're actually recording on Monday night, a night later than usual, but In the playoffs, you got to make adjustments. And Chris Haynes, unlike me, is going to be doing tons of traveling, moving all up and down the NBA map to fill his various TNT sideline assignments. Me, I'm happily, happily consuming all of this from home. The opening weekend of the NBA playoffs, it was, at the same time, on one hand, really absorbing many good games. Not all, but many good games. But then there was the dispiriting slash depressing side of things with the injuries we saw on Sunday. To see Giannis Antetokounmpo and John Morant and Tyler Hero all sustain concerning injuries in two cases, then you know a, a, a downright crisis for the Miami Heat to lose Tyler Hero for at least a month. So we're going to get into all that here. But it's great to reconnect with Chris because on my list on Monday, I did my list of superlatives from the opening weekend of the playoffs. And Chris Haynes, he earned a spot on that list because the man looked absolutely resplendent Friday night in his South Beach clean, white suit, impeccably tailored, it was still the play-in round then. The play—it was the night before the playoffs actually started, but I counted it as part of the weekend. And Chris Haynes, you are the first recipient on my Substack of the Look of the Weekend award. You won it in a route, in a runaway.
5: I've officially made it. I've officially arrived. I—I—I I, 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 I have officially arrived. I got to actually—I um, didn't see that Stein. I didn't see that. I saw yeah, the tweet, tweet. The tweet I misfired.
4: I thought the tweet actually was funny because I thought people. Because what I did, I had the picture of you with Max Struess and Jimmy Butler, your post game interview, and I put the tweet out thinking everyone's going to know I'm talking about his suit. But instead, I'm going to say, "Please rate and review." Dot dot dot. Dramatic pause. Our podcast, and I thought that would be funny but man i i uh it was a it was a swing in the mi- swing and a miss it did nothing on twitter
5: well that's why you're a sports writer and not uh a, a, com- a comedic writer well uh, that's for i sure. do ha- that's for sure but i do have a story right to,
4: it, you know how you always say you want to hear personal stories you want to hear a humorous personal story
5: i do i don't Go ahead.
4: in high school i was so much more daring than i was than i am in adulthood Like, you know me in adulthood. I know I frustrate you because I'm so, I'm always worried. I'm so safe. I'm like ultra safe. And you love to like, ask me for advice, hear my safe advice, and then just do what you're going to do anyway. But you love to, you love to do that to me. But in high school, I can't believe I had the guts to do this. High school graduation, we go on a cruise. You know, my 10 or so best friends and me were on a cruise to celebrate our graduation from high school. And they had a talent show on the ship. And this is 1987, so Jerry Seinfeld is not super well-known at this point. Obviously, he 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 okay. was, you know, comedy fans knew him, but, like, he was not a national sensation. I had memorized his whole act, and at the talent show, I basically went up there and did his whole HBO act. And I actually, for the rest of the cruise, had people coming up to me going wow you got talent like they they obviously didn't know who jerry seinfeld was at that point no absolutely <laughs> criminal offense for you know comedy to just completely yeah. rip off somebody's act but but uh completely yeah i i'm i'm guilty but, but but that... that part's not the important part. The, the important part is i can't even imagine that i actually had the guts to go up there and do That's... that in front like i don't know i it's like a different person i don't know i don't know where i got that
5: which leads me to my next question: What got you to this point?
4: I, honestly, I don't know, but something changed early in college. Something changed, and I became Mister Worry, Mister Safety, Mister Panic. I like. You might have to go yeah, to it's counseling probably too late time. though, because it's been a long time <laughs> since <laughs> I was eighteen or nineteen. That man. was a long time ago. But yeah, I, thank, Never too thank, late for thankfully, there help, is guys. no video of that. But, uh, yeah, like I said, I, you know, again, please forgive me for the horrendous comedy crimes of, you know, not going up there with my own material, but I'm just still more like, how did I actually have the guts to do that in front of a whole ship?
5: Yeah. (laughs) I couldn't picture the, the you're you're right. No chance. No no chance. I'm definitely impressed.
4: All right. So that's, that's uh, we start, I didn't see we all, I, we always have a plan and then somehow we, Diverge from the plan But yes let, Let's get back to the point The point here was You looked fantastic You looked fantastic Game oh, one okay. You came out strong You definitely I
5: was in Miami, Stein you feel,
4: you feel a certain way When Does you're in sp- Miami Tell it you Put know, it in Stine, words I, for us I'm
5: going to tell you I'm going to tell you how you feel Man, you looking at All these beautiful people Walking Walking the face of the earth In Miami And you look at everybody Looking fit Looking good Skin is just Everybody's skin Is just glowing and you feel a certain way, so you put, you know, you put a suit on that's kind of, you know, bright. So I had it was a light bluish. I was it a light bluish, light bluish color. It looks it, kinda, it could look white depending on the view, but um, you know, I had my my shirt on, and you know, it's one of those days, style, where you might you might want to take an extra button out. You know, man, you Richard you want Jefferson style, a Richard bit. Jefferson what, style, yeah. I, well, it, they, they was doing that way before Richard Jefferson. That's just Miami, baby. That's just Miami. So you, you feel yourself a little bit. So I'm like, let me. But Eric Spolster was getting on me. Who? who uh, Billy Donovan. They all. They was like, oh, you in Miami, huh?
4: <laughs> have you ever, warned, like, have come you ever come worn an all-white suit before?
5: I, yeah, once. That was high school, my high school prom. Last, first and last time I wore all-white suit. It's not white anymore, <laughs> by the way. It wasn't white anymore what at happened? the end of that night. What happened? That was the last. I mean, it's just white. Just white. Just 17-year-old getting into whatever. You know, especially that night. You <laughs> know, when, you know <laughs> Especially...
4: <laughs> Okay, but I I I was confused. I I thought we were talking about your new Miami suit. Did your new Miami suit
5: make it past one day? The new Miami suit. Okay. Yeah, let's get this. Let's get this straight. Just so aggregators (laughs) will get this wrong. I was talking about the 17-year-old shenanigans back in the day. Not a couple days ago. No, this suit is okay. I I learned I learned how to
4: you brought a shirt this time. That was good. You didn't have to buy a shirt. You didn't
5: have to buy a shirt in Miami. I did bring a shirt, but if I chose not to buy a shirt and chose not to wear a shirt, I would have fit right in in Miami. Now on the broadcast, that would have been a different story.
4: That's right. I think Russ didn't Russ walk into
5: Game One with no shirt. He's in Phoenix. You can do that, Stein. The weather is so beautiful. Oh, the yeah. You did, is so beautiful. T- you did not do oh, you did not do too bad God.
4: on the weather assignment. Starting out in South Beach and then heading to the desert.
5: And that's why you don't hear not one complaint from me.
4: So. Was there anything notable that happened on your Miami trip besides everybody giving you a hard time about your gear?
5: <laughs> no, you know, listen, i gonna say this. You know, we talk about how all stars run the league and how there's there's just a, a fascination with knowing what the stars have to say, what they do, how they really are. But I'm telling you something. People may disagree. Patrick Beverly has that appeal. And what I would say about that is that you never know what the guy is going to say. Uh, he's just, so in Miami, my seat is right there <laughs> courtside, right in the middle. So it's a great view, great for listening and eavesdropping. So, and I'm surprised video hasn't surfaced up of this moment that I'm about to, about to say. So it's the first half. And, Pat Bev and Tyler Hero got into it about something early on on in the game. I think um, Pat fouled him hard. Tyler got in his face, kind of riled up the crowd. Later on in the game, Pat fouled Tyler again. And the Heat gets the ball on the side out. So Pat walks to where Max Struess is. Is inbounding the ball. So now he's guarding him. So he's by the inbounder. And remember, Pat had just fouled Tyler Hero, I believe. And so he comes over walking towards Max Struce saying, Man, you trying to somebody trying to be hard, but they flopping like that. They can't take a foul. That don't make sense. That don't make sense. He he kept like saying that, saying that repeatedly. Then Max Struce, who's I'm behind Max Struce, who his back is towards me. So I couldn't really make out what max said but he said something to pat and pat said shut up i don't even know who you are i don't even know your name shut up (laughs) (laughs) and then you know max goes and have one of the best by the end of the
4: night
5: he knew his name by the end of
4: the night look man i you know oh. pat bev we've talked about this before i really 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 did not like that move for the lakers i never thought that he could fit into Lakerland. i just thought his personality was too big on a team that already has two rather large personalities in lebron james and anthony davis but you have to give the man his props he went to chicago his hometown team and he clearly made a difference they played with an undeniable edge, after adding Pat Bev, gotta give him his props.
5: Yeah, gotta give him his props, and you know we've had some things me and him, uh, some issues or two before. But I ain't got nothing but love for the dude. The dude is funny. He's a competitor. No, he never switches so it off. I, you, you know, know I, I, respect, mean, I respect it'll be interesting to, to see the, do the
4: do the do the Bulls watch. bring him back. He had such a big impact there that. Um. You know, I know Minnesota fans were devastated that when Pat became available on the buyout market, that the Wolves decided that they weren't going to bring him back because he had such a similar impact in Minnesota. So I'm going to be curious to see if the Bulls say, "You know what? We need hit. We need that edge back for one more year."
5: Yeah, they got some. You were the first to
4: report about Tyler Hero's injury, the severity of it. I mean, four to six weeks, man. It's like with the state that the Bucs are in the heat actually have a chance to win this series, which nobody would have thought Milwaukee's surely thinking that they're going to get, get Atlanta in the play in, or maybe even a lower seed like, like the bulls or the Raptors. And instead the Bucs end up with a first round matchup against Miami. Giannis goes down. Giannis was already playing through a wrist injury. So, I mean, there's a lot of pressure already on the Bucks who, really began these playoffs as not just the Eastern Confer- Conference favorite but a lot of people's favorites to win it all. I'm sure Miami now having stolen game 1, the Heat think they can win this series. I'm sure they believed it going in because that's we know Jimmy Butler's going to always kind of carry himself that way, but what is it 4 to 6 weeks, right? No, no, I mean, they're not getting Tyler Hero back for at least a month.
5: All right. So I'm I'm being told that it would take the Heat making it to the NBA Finals for Tyler to wow. have a chance to come comeback. That's rough. Terrible
4: opening weekend for injuries, man. Just
5: terrible. Style, you know, it's behind the scenes. Let me give people a little bit behind it, pull back the curtain a little bit when it comes to reporting. So I was actually working the Clippers, um, Clippers-Suns game last night. During the broadcast, I mean, I was working, you know, the broadcast and I, I got this news about Tyler Hero. So I actually broke it during that game and you know Stan, it's one of those things where you you know the miami heat are not the favorites they were not the favorites going in and then you get news of tyler hero breaking his breaking his hand and it's on, well, let me let me get let me make sure i state what exactly he broke for clarity purposes out there um he broke the middle and ring finger of his shooting hand. So immediately when I got that news, initially, you know, I was thinking about reporting Tyler Hero done for the season. You know, obviously broken, you know, broken middle finger, uh, middle finger and ring finger. And, you know, I'm thinking like, hold on, okay. And then I got like soon after my sources hit me up saying, you know, it's a four to six weeks uh, timetable. And so I'm still thinking, okay, he's he's out for the year. But then I was like, hold on. The NBA playoffs will still be going on. And hey, you you don't want to get on the wrong side of, 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 of the fans here. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> they they believe they going, they're going all the way. So I'm like, you know what, let me just keep this conservative. Let me let me keep this strictly uh uh to the facts of how I you know what I received uh four to six weeks. So I mean, but definitely if you look at the Bucks and Miami still in game one Giannis's condition sure I mean if they get past the Bucks, I mean you can't yeah that's what that's what I, that's what I'm saying yeah, argument, yeah. I mean if they, they, can if they beat anybody. the Bucs yeah. they can win the east yeah and I but I wasn't thinking that you know at you know at the time you know I was like well man I guess I guess he's out for the year but nah, let me just you know let's, let's Let's keep hope alive out there. And I, and I think um, definitely with them going in there and getting game one, they definitely feel like they still have a shot, even with Tyler Hugh being out.
1: This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge.
4: <sighs>
1: is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is
4: Now, on the Milwaukee side, it sounds like there's some some hope there that this isn't a super serious injury for Giannis and that even if he can't make it back for Game 2, that it it should be sometime after that. Like, this doesn't seem to be like it's going to be the kind of thing that knocks him out for a whole series, but I mean, look... <laughs> it doesn't get more alarming than losing Giannis for any amount of time because the guy is so durable and we know he tends to play hurt so
5: but that back that back is nothing to play yeah. with man that no back question. the back and knees all oh, those those are some of the worst injuries to play with um you can you could possibly get out there and and be of service but you don't have your lift you know each step cuz i played you know I play with both both those types of injuries, man. I'm dealing with some knee issues right now as I continue to try to keep playing hoop three or four times a day and so three or four times nothing, a week, especially you don't play
4: three or four times a day.
5: Thank you for correcting but do
4: you do you I try to not. find hoop on I mean I'm hundreds of years past that point, but on the no. road, do you try to find pickup?
5: No, I don't I don't I just save it I play actually I play more than three i play I play about five times a week when I'm at home. Five days a week. Yeah, when I'm at home. But when I'm on the road, nah, I don't I don't find who I'm
4: how does your game look like right now?
5: work and everything. The objective. How do you You know what? I'm 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 playing the best basketball of my forty-one year tenure why? Right now. So I'm smarter. My athletic you know, there's there's video of style. Have no. you see me dunking? No. Catching alley oops, you never have? That's why, like I, was that. so yeah, that's why I was so excited with that's why I was so excited.
4: Just when you showed me that picture of you playing in the post, I'd never even seen a picture, a still picture of you playing in college before that.
5: Oh, you serious? Yeah, there's video out there of me playing against Will Barton. It's about six years ago. And he's throwing me alley oops, throwing me alley oops. What? Counts, just like at a, pra- at a practice? But no, I, we were playing one on one.
4: Will Barton, the only NBA player you hold in higher esteem than Damian Lillard. I don't know if Dame knows that.
5: <laughs> yes, Will, Will Barton. But no, my athleticism is not. Where used, to, I can still dunk, but the um, nowhere near what what I used, you know used to be able to do. But no, I, that's the only way, Stein, for me. That's the only way that I can get cardio in. I'm not one of these crazy people that can just go and just run somewhere and just hear their own breath breathe in and out. Like I can't do that. Like when I'm playing basketball, I'm trying to stop my guy from scoring, or I'm going at my guy to get a bucket. And then next thing you know it like you're running up and down the floor hundreds of times and then you're drenched in sweat. So you're not even thinking about all the running. So that's how I get my cardio. I can't even getting on the treadmill. I do it if I have to, but it's nothing like playing basketball for me. So but
4: and this is probably not the basketball we should be delving into so deeply, but I'm going to ask one I, I'm going to ask yeah, one more care, qu- my, I'm going to ask my, one my more basketball. question and we'll get back to the NBA playoffs. <laughs> Because of your job now. So if you're just playing pickup at whatever, LA Fitness, aren't guys trying to go after you because, you know, now that they know you.
5: All the time. All the time. And you know what? (laughs) I say, bring it. Bring it on. Oh, that style. You don't go to my IG. I'm always posting. I always. Routinely, I post about, I post some video clips.
4: Actually, you just reminded me, me because, you know, I'm so, I like, Twitter obviously is is the domain that I'm familiar with and comfortable with. I ne- I'm terrible at monitoring IG. I'm terrible at using IG. Terrible at posting IG. Even worse at reading IG. But my sources say, and I'm going to actually out this source. It's my son who follows you now. He's and he's he he, okay. he said. I I, I asked him I was like what what good stuffs he been throwing on there and he, of course he's like. Man, he just got a haircut. And I'm like, Of course he did. (laughs) There's nothing that makes, there's nothing in life that makes this man happier than getting a haircut.
5: Oh, man. You put that on IG. Stein, Stein, listen, man. A haircut does wonders to a man's confidence, man. You just feel like a new person, man. Or did I freeze? I'm good. You froze, Stein. You froze? Ryan, did Stein freeze. Yeah.
4: Was that me or you who froze? Okay, now I don't you're know who back, froze, Stein. me or
5: you. Sorry. You froze, Stein. So I missed it. Did I'll, I'll I'll start I'll start back up. Three, yep. Three, two, one. Stein. Nothing makes a man feel more confident, and more prepared than having a fresh haircut, man. When you get a haircut, man, you feel like you can do anything. And so before I, but I got to go on, I got to go on TV with a clean cut. I have to, man. I feel good. When you feel good, you play good. That's real. When you feel good, you play good. It doesn't matter what type of job you have, what type of occupation. When you look good, you perform good. And so I believe in that. And and I don't know how much longer I'm going to have here. So I got to keep documenting as long as I can.
4: If you say so, man, I believe you. All right, well, let's move on then to you, uh, because the next stop of your travels was even more eventful than South Beach, even more eventful than strutting into the arena with the white suit, because uh, you saw quite a game between the Clippers and the Suns. Uh, the Clips win Russell Westbrook, the most inspirational three for 19 performance. In league history, incredible string of clutch plays at both ends as the Clippers storm back and win. Bizarre game for Kevin Durant. uh, The third quarter, I know everybody's talking about the fourth quarter, but in the third quarter, Kevin Durant, no field goal attempts, but six assists. But uh, not only do you get to cover this amazing game, uh, you got one-on-ones with... With Paul George and Russell Westbrook, so let's start with PG. Give us the PG update. Where is he? And I mean, I think I think it's pretty well established that we're not going to see him in this first round series. But just kind of, what were your takeaways yeah. from visiting with him?
5: Yeah, well, you know, he's it, it was tough. I wish you could see video while he was um, talking to me. Uh, I grabbed him after the game, after game one, and you know, you could tell it's really tough. He said it. It is a frustrating time. To be sitting down watching the guys because he you know he can they can help he said but he's doing everything he can behind the scenes to try to get back when he can when when he, when it's, when it's possible and so it's looking like the Clippers they're going to have to extend this out and when I mean extend this out if they want to have any hope of Paul George I mean you got talking game seven but you for sure talking you know next round and I don't know that you would bring a Paul George back. For game seven, anyways, I I think um, with, he's been out since March 23rd, so that, that that would be a tall task. But you know, he he just talked about doing everything he can to try to get back as soon as he can. But he believes in this team and believes they can do what it takes to get them to that point. And um, you know, that was that was a tremendous game. Stein, I ran across my guy Nicholas Petun in the locker room, who you know, who hasn't <laughs> been talking to me because he he called me to. The black cat, because he said every every game that I cover they lose. Well, they won last night. As soon as I go in the locker room, he's there standing up, greets me with a hug. Said, "Bring it in." The curse is broken. Gave me a hug right there in the locker room. I said, "I told you." I said, "Now you can you can conquer every anything now. You get past me, you can get past anything now." So, uh, but Russ, Stein, Rust man, again, what you call that? The most. Inspira- yeah, the How'd most inspirational
4: 3-for-19 game in league history. <laughs> and I'm happy for him because, like, he's, he, I mean, yeah. even in, even when things go well, he's still taking all kinds of heat and criticism. And, and, I mean, that fourth quarter belonged to him. You know, I put it on Twitter, give Russ the game ball. Now, then you have to take a step back and say, okay, Kawhi Leonard did score 38 points and looked really, really, really good. So maybe we have to split that game ball in half, but I mean Russ, uh, you know, everyone second guessed the Clippers when they made this move, and uh, you know, to this point, for now, you have to say he's making a difference there. He's fitting in. They, you know, he's he's definitely helping fill the Paul George void, which is really unfillable. And I mean, it sounds like from your convo from PG thirteen that I mean that's his that's Russ's number one fan.
5: Yeah, he said. You know, what are people saying now? As Remember, because Paul George is the one who voiced publicly uh, vouching for Russell Westbrook at the time when Russ got traded to the Utah Jazz. And so this is something he's seen. And he said, you know, Russ and his other stop. If he wasn't making shots, he would have got the quick hook. And he said, you have to allow Russ to play through it because he's going to find a way to impact the game. And they're not Russ gave me some time after the game as well. That's my guy. Russ has become my guy over the last few years. Ty. I don't know why, but he's become my guy. But he gave me some time after the game as well, and I, and I told him about what Paul George said. He said, yeah, it it, it means it means the world to him to have a, the coaching staff talking about Tyron Lue in particular, believe in him and trusting him that when his shots, when one aspect of his game is not being effective, that they know that he can do other things on the court. And he's not looking over his shoulder. That's, that's one thing he said. He's not looking over his shoulder uh, after a mistake. Um, so he doesn't have to hesitate when he's playing. He can still go out there and play relentlessly. And, and that's what he did, Stein, for, from office, clutch offensive rebounds, multiple clutch offensive rebounds down the stretch, to hitting two big free throws, to getting that isolation, on isolation, isolation island with Devin Booker which is not easy to do got the block but still was able to get keep the ball in bounds and Clippers ball he he just did an unbelievable job on the defensive end all night giving guarding Kevin Durant he you know it, it, you you had to be happy for the guy man to have to to have that feeling while going while missing 16 of his his 19 shots man he, he was really he was really he really did. Yeah, I don't know
4: if we'll shoot. ever get the full candor on this, but I, you know, the vibe I I got really was that I don't think the Clippers front office was completely sold on the idea of going after Russell Westbrook. I I mean,
5: it really looks. I thought about writing that, Stein. I thought about writing that, but I'm like, you know what? It, it ain't time for that. But for it, that but it really right looks. <laughs> I mean, it, you know,
4: from the outside, it certainly came off as. Paul George is the one who had the lobby to get this thing done. And I think right now they're obviously glad that they listened because, you know, as you said, Paul George in a best case scenario, realistically, the soonest we see him is, is probably the next round. And this was PG's quote to you in your piece quote. This is the reason why Russ was such huge pickup for us. They just see Russ for the shots that he misses. They don't see him for the rebounding, the defense, look at the block on KD to start this series off and the block on D book to finish the game. They don't see the intangibles and they look past everything else that he does. They solely look into whether he make or miss shots and judge him off that please don't judge him off who he is as a basketball player. Um, and you know what? I'm glad you relayed that story about Batum because again, like I said, I said the last time this came up, Batum doesn't know it yet, but he is, he is going to be a huge part of our NBA draft coverage. When when uh, when we when we get closer <laughs> to draft time, we are bringing. We are going to lobby him. We're going to work on him to come on this show and give us the Parisian view of Victor Wembanyama, the the more than presumptive number one pick in the draft, the obvious, the automatic number one pick, looming in the June draft. So, what would you see from the Suns? Um, you know this 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 playoffs is so weird because it, it was a weird season in the west with only 250 win teams and so many teams clumped together and then the playoffs start and really has there ever been a postseason where the number six warriors who of course are the defending champions or the number seven lakers or you know the number five clippers would be in this conversation if paul george we're healthy right now. The number four Suns, they're another team that like all of these middle to the p- middle middle to lower seeds in the West, th- they they all generate more public belief than the one, two, or three seeds that they can win the West. I mean, you just outside of Denver, outside of Memphis, outside of Sacramento, outside of the city limits, you don't see anyone saying that those teams are capable of winning this supposedly Wide open conference. So it's just been a strange year. But, you know, I, I think the Suns, again, I don't want to overreact to a game one, but they're immediately under pressure because, you know, yeah, they were 8 0 in the regular season without Kevin Durant. But right now they're 0 1 with Kevin Durant when it matters. And they did not look like a team that really knew each other in that game one.
0: There are some things that are too good to keep a secret.
5: Playoffs are a different ballgame. When everybody was talking about the 8-0, regular season start, KD, Suns. I'm going to tell you what I think happened with the Phoenix Suns is what I kind of talked about during the broadcast. Uh, You know, I spoke with Chris Paul the night before the game. And I was asking him, I said, hey, like, where is KD at with, you know, finding his way, learning the concepts, learning the schemes, you know, having it all in his head. And he said, we're still getting to that point. And I was like, okay, so if you're still getting to that point, that means you're still learning on the fly in the playoffs. He was like, Yeah, it is, it is what it is. He says really unprecedented, but that's the task we have. And he said, I'm not making any excuses, but it is what it is. And so think about that, Stein. Has there ever been a scenario where a, a player of that magnitude comes over to a new team and he's learning, still learning things, learning concepts and nuances of his team in the playoffs. Like this is really unpressed. Like usually, you know, you the trade deadline you got him in for four months before the playoffs. I mean, you know, KD got injured, so that that, you know, put a damper in things, but they're still learning him. And the thing, and and one thing that showed me why they still are learning on the fly. KD was underutilized in the second half. He was. He was. He yeah, I'm get not. The I think KG's
4: there. adjusted. It's everybody else adjusting to him. I mean, they like whatever you KD, throw at KD, KD. he's going to figure out. Like, again, going back to that third quarter, that he could manufacture six assists in this situation, first playoff game with these guys. And, uh, you know, He's so adaptable. I think it's the other guys finding their spots around him that, I mean, and, and the other thing, I mean, they only took 19 threes. I mean, that that's not enough. They're going to have to, they're going to have to in game two increase increase the attempts and makes from the three-point line. I mean, it's just into in the modern NBA, you're not going to win shooting only 19 threes. But yeah, like you said, it is unprecedented. I mean, really, w- the when we talk, you know, Midseason trades that lead to a championship. There are three prime examples in NBA history that everyone points to. Clyde Clyde Drexler Clyde's going to Houston in '95, yeah. but they had a Akeem, Rasheed Wallace. That's really the one. 2004, yeah. he went to first he went to Atlanta for one game, then went to Detroit, and he was like the last puzzle piece in a perfect puzzle. I mean, the Pistons were just such a unique team because they didn't really have they didn't have anyone in the Durant role, you know, Chauncey and Rashid and Rip and Ben Wallace all in a way. I mean, you could make the case that all of them were the best piston if you if you narrow it down to a certain skill or two. And then obviously Tayshaun was was another great, you know, engine to to help make things happen there, but and and then Marcus All going to the Raptors, but I mean, you had Kawhi Leonard. I mean, Marcus Marc All was a great, you know, center and and defensive play anchor and all that stuff, but you know, a complimentary piece to a championship team. And you know, Durant is he is the universe now with, you know, or at least he shares it with Devin Booker. So I mean, yeah, this is this to me was why as good as the Suns looked in the regular season, like we had no idea what the Suns would look like on the playoff stage, and and the first look was not uh was not a work of art.
5: I I know KD Stein. He he's still trying okay. to feel I in. mean you you're, you you got a better feel than me. In. You were there. He doesn't want to nah he doesn't want to infringe yeah. upon what the Suns have done to this point. And so yeah you talk you you, you mentioned that how the Suns have to get used to him. And yeah they they do. They do. But I'm telling you right now like there's going to have to be, there's going to have to, they're, they're going to have to get to a point where they give it to KD, get out the way, let him go, force feed them, and it's going to have to get to a point where KD is demanding the ball. Because Chris Paul, Devin Booker, everybody else, they're used to playing with each other. They're used to playing and doing their thing. And they haven't, they haven't really adapted. KD is just so good where he's coming in and he's just fitting. And he did that in the regular season. If you look at, like, he's still not, he's not taking more shots than Devin Booker. And not to say that, it's not saying that he needs to take more than Devin. But I'm just, I'm using that as an illustration of how he's just coming in and trying to blend. Because KD, he always talks about, I can go with any system and play with. Yeah, you can do that. But in order for the Suns to go to the distance, KD is going to have to be the best player. And he is the best player on the team. And so they're, eventually they're going to have to treat them like that. So it's going to be an adjustment. And that's what I'm saying. It's so uncommon to have an adjustment period in the first round of the playoffs. So they're trying to figure all, all these things out on the fly. And they will. You don't want to overreact to one game. But that was one game that, damn, like if you're going to win a game with Russ going 3 for 19, if you can't get that one, it's going to be tough. And, sty. the Suns don't get much production from the bench.
4: Yeah, no they're incredibly uh, oh. thin now so after this trade. I mean, their their four best players are, you know, it's a great top 4. But behind that, I mean, there's no question they've been weakened severely. I mean, look, l- I mean, I don't think we're I don't think we're taking a huge leap to say the Clippers are going to take a lot from that game 1 win and really believe now that they can win this series even without Paul George. I mean, they they clearly have that belief. I'm curious, from your seat, how rattled are the Suns? What's their panic level after one loss?
5: They're they're fine. They're fine right now. They're fine right now. But look, I, I, I'm gonna say this: it um the Clippers took Game One. They took Game One. They were they are not the favorites. The Suns were heavily favored. The heavily favorites. And they went in there and, and took it. That that has to do something. That has to do something to a team psyche. And again, it's not like the Suns are used to being in this situation as constructed. You know, so it's not like they can lean on past experiences and say, oh, we we've been knocked down before we got up. Well, you haven't with this group. It's different. So that's why it's a little bit alarming. Now, if I was to say who's still going to. Come out victorious in this series. I still would have to lean towards the Suns just because, damn, they got—you know—they they, they arguably you know, well—they got great players. They got great players over there. So, but Clippers are deep. They're deep. Anybody can contribute. Somebody different can contribute. You know, each night, and the Suns don't have that. Their main three guys have to be on or close to be on, close to being on to get to have a chance. So. It's going to be tough. So I, I wouldn't say they're rattled, but it definitely is alarming. And look, Stein, my 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 uh, first quarter interview, after the first quarter interview with Ty Lue, you know, I asked him about what was his message to the team before they took the court. And he said that we're here to win. We're here to win. Like they believe they can win. That was in the first quarter when he said that. They believe they can win, and you know Ty Lue. Once he gets to playoff, he started. He started a, the lineup. He started. He had Zoubox guarding some perimeter. It was a perimeter player. I can't remember. Like he just switches up the, the defensive lineups. He like he he's like a wizard when it comes to this time of year, man. So it's it has to be alarming. I'm not saying they're in trouble. Well, Ty but it has Lue to be alarming.
4: is an excellent coach. Still an underrated coach after his championship with the Cavs and I'm guessing you've probably experienced this in the sideline role, but you know, I have to say, you know, I've, I've said this before in 15 years at ESPN, there is no assignment I loved better than being the sideline guy for ESPN radio during the NBA finals. And I got to do that four times. I believe it was 2013 through 2017. So I got the Cavs in the finals the first year was Blatt, but the second two years that I did it, Ty Lu was there. And Ty Lu, he'll talk to you during the game. I don't get those seats very often anymore to know how many coaches would be willing to do that. But there have not, in, in my four years of doing sideline for ESPN Radio, there were not many coaches at this point who would stroll over to where you're sitting and actually ask you stuff during the game. But, but Ty would always do it. I mean, he would throw questions that, you know, do you see that? What'd you think of that call? Like he just, you know, he's, he is, uh, he's very entertaining to watch during a game. And, and I would have, to you know, have, you know, I remember his Cavs huddles. Like he, you know, he had LeBron tuned in. Not every coach who's coached LeBron can say that, but when he was coaching the Cavs, LeBron was dialed in.
5: Well, I could definitely say he's much more cordial to you uh than he is to me. When he when he walks over to me when I'm on the sideline. What the fuck you looking <laughs> at, Hanks? <laughs> but that's what I mean. But that thing even that is like he's he's
4: loose. Like that's he's my guy. he's yeah. he's that's loose, my guy, man. Like he's that's chatty during games. All right, everybody. Yeah. I think that does it for this edition of this League Uncut. You got Game 2, Clips at Suns. What do you have next? Is it top seed? Are you game allowed three, to reveal your sideline assignments?
5: Yeah, I can. I believe, I believe it may be out, out to the public already. If it's not, then I, hey, I'm revealing it. But yeah, I got game two still still here, Phoenix and the Clippers. Then I transition to San Francisco on Thursday for game three of the Kings Warriors. So I'm looking forward to seeing what that action is like, seeing what that atmosphere is like, and then I believe then I yeah I do then I come back to this series, but it would be game four in LA Clippers sons. And if I don't know the rest throughout, but I wouldn't be surprised if I, if I stuck on the. Clipper and look, Suns. I, ha-
4: I should have said this earlier and I'm glad you, you doing your schedule kind of reminded me to say this because there is an undeniable flaw in this show that we're, that we're recording Monday night for a Tuesday release because we're recording it dur- during Sixers nets. So we obviously do not know at this point as we're recording what the results are of game 2 in Sacramento which is a massive game obviously if the kings i mean sacramento is already lit to the max if the kings go up 2 zip against the defending champs not only is that an absolute party in sacramento but you know how much pressure that would heap upon the warriors who look the warriors were 11 and 30 on the road during the regular season I believed it, and if I believed it, I know they believed it times 10 that they're going to win one of these first two games on the road. The Warriors, of course, have that streak, that NBA record streak, 27 consecutive playoff series with at least one road win. Stephen Curry, Klay Thompson, Draymond Green, Andre Godala, they have been part, all four of them have been part of all 27 of those series, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe Andre... I'm throwing him in there and I shouldn't. But definitely Steph, Clay, and Draymond have been part of all 27 in a row of those series that Golden State has managed at least one road win. So obviously by the time this podcast drops, everyone will know if that series is 2-0 or 1-1. But either way, you've got yourself quite an assignment for game three at Chase Center.
5: And I want to leave by saying this. Free E40. Free my boy 40 water. Free him, style. I know you're a Big E forty fan. What's your favorite? I cannot even style? pretend
4: that I could name a favorite song, <laughs> but but I uh, I did take note of the fact that the Warriors were playing his music at their practice today. So this is clearly yeah, so this is clearly something that mattered to shoot around. This is clearly something that matters to them. Like they're you know. Is it going to be motivation that puts them over the top in a game they need to win? I don't know about that, but uh, this is definitely not a small story. This is something that is on the Warriors' minds, too. Oh,
5: for sure. I can't wait to get over there. Game All right, game. everybody.
4: And I actually want to sign off with a small message because on this Monday night, it is Yoma Shoah, which is Holocaust Remembrance Day. And I just want to pay tribute to my father, Ruvenstein, who was a Holocaust survivor. and. Uh, you know i've written about this a few times but i can't say it enough if it wasn't for him and everything he did and the fight he waged to survive the atrocities of the holocaust and then make it to communist romania and then make it to israel and then make it to the united states all to set up his spoiled kids to you know grow up in the shadow of disneyland and in and for me Know to basically live out this pinch me life as a sports writer. None of that is possible without everything my dad did, and I just on this Yom i wanted to pay tribute to him and talk about him and remember him. And if I can mix a couple languages here, Abba Teubesk, I think about you every day. And that's all I had to say. Everybody, thanks Emil for listening to another edition of This League Uncut. Take care, everyone.
3: And that'll do it for us. See you next time. This League Uncut is an iHeartRadio production. Boom, shakalaka! Chris Haynes and Mark Stein!